Good morning, wherever you are, and welcome to St. Michael's in the Morning, a podcast series encompassing everything from sermons and services to special audio presentations, brought to you by St. Michael's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. For more information, or to make a donation to St. Michael's, please visit www.st-michaels.org. In the name of one God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Please be seated. I still remember the first wedding I ever officiated as a newly ordained priest. I felt pretty insecure, having never done this before. And so what I did was imagine how an experienced priest might conduct himself, and I then projected four times the confidence. (laughs) I wanted to appear competent and qualified and completely in control. Well, literally seconds before the service was to begin, as I stood there feeling very confident, or at least pretending to be, um, this little kid sneaks up to me and he asks a question. What's the deal with the costume? He was confused by my clerical collar and the black cassock I was wearing, so I told him that I was a priest. And after telling me how amazing he thought that was, he demanded that I show him my best magic trick. He had not yet learned the subtle differences between being a priest and being a wizard. And so I had to explain that as the priest, my job was to officiate the wedding. And something about that seemed to register with him because it took this kid all of two seconds to fire off another six questions. Oh, so you're the I do guy. Wait, aren't you too young to be an I do guy? How old are you? How much do you charge? Have you always wanted to be an I do guy? And then my favorite, he said, are you a professional In today's gospel, we do hear the story of a religious professional, a man by the name of Nicodemus, a Pharisee and a leader of the Jews. And by calling Nicodemus a professional, I'm referring to his identity as a teacher of Israel. You see, whenever it came to God, Nicodemus was a credentialed expert. He was competent. He was well-qualified. He was completely in control. And as a Pharisee, I think it's fair to assume that Nicodemus knew God's law backwards and forwards. And whenever I say the law, I'm not talking about God's top 10 list. The Pharisees' list was a tad longer. They had 613 rules and regulations, far too many for the average person to handle or keep track of. And because of that, someone had to be the religious professional, and that someone was Nicodemus. Now, there is something worth noting about the worldview of professional religion guys in Jesus' day. One's physical birth mattered a lot. The Judaism of Jesus' day emphasized the importance of being born into a Jewish family. One's blood connection to Abraham 
was everything. One's physical birth was everything. Membership in God's family, it was believed, was all about one's physical first birth. And so can you imagine what it was like for a professional like Nicodemus, a master of all things religious, to wake up one day and realize that he felt called to seek out an unconventional rabbi like Jesus. Because on the one hand, Jesus seems to possess unprecedented spiritual power. To quote Nicodemus in today's gospel, no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. But on the other hand, Jesus' last public act did not win him a popularity contest. To quote the Gospel of John, Jesus made a whip out of cords and drove people from the temple, including the sheep and the cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. In other words, the last thing John tells us Jesus did was start a riot in church. Now, regardless of what you think about that, I think we can all agree it wasn't very professional. And so, no wonder Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night when no one else is around. And to Nicodemus's credit, he's not there to test Jesus. There's no goofy scenario where seven brothers die and they're all fighting for the same woman in the afterlife. There's no test over whether or not it's lawful to pay taxes to Caesar. In fact, at first, Nicodemus doesn't even ask a question. He just shows up. He's what we would call a genuine seeker. And in coming before Jesus, Jesus then teaches Nicodemus something about how it is that you and I come to see and experience the kingdom of God. No one can see the kingdom of God, Nicodemus, without being born from above. Or to use the second translation of the Greek word, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born again. You need to be born again, Nicodemus. Now, I still remember the first time I preached on this passage many years ago. I told my sister I had a great plan to preach a sermon on how we need to be born again. She was concerned for her little brother. And she told me that's not something we do in the Episcopal Church. And I do get her concern. But if this idea of being born again makes us a little uncomfortable... I think now we know how Nicodemus felt. I mean, think about it. For people like Nicodemus, one's first birth was everything. Being born the first time, a child of Abraham, this was his ticket into the kingdom of God, or so was his understanding. And the first thing Jesus tells this teacher, this expert, this professional is that God is at work forming a new family and that his ordinary biological birth according to the flesh 
wasn't his ticket in. Listen up, Nicodemus, Jesus says. You have to be born all over again. You need to be born from above. The Spirit of God is on the move. The kingdom of God has been thrown open to all. And there's no longer one tribe or family or organization that can contain God's Spirit. You're not the one in control, Nicodemus. Because the Spirit is like the wind. It blows where it chooses. And until it blows your whole world apart, until the Spirit undoes your traditional small way of seeing how God works, you'll never see the kingdom of God. Because you cannot master God, Nicodemus. You have to let God master you. No one gets to be a professional in the kingdom of God. Now, I don't know where Jesus' shocking words to Nicodemus will touch your individual life, but I am willing to bet that if you look within, you have some access to an inner Nicodemus, a professional side of yourself that feels competent and well-qualified and completely in control, or if nothing else, a part of you that wants to be. And for the record... We thank God for those skills, for without them, bills would not be paid, children would not be fed, and businesses would not run. Competent, well-qualified, in control is really good in some areas of life. You know, if I'm going to go to a surgeon, I'm not looking for a we'll-figure-this-out-together approach. (laughs) I want competent, well-qualified, completely in control. But As it so often happens, what works well in the practical affairs of our life doesn't always fully translate with how we are to approach our relationship with God. Meaning that when it comes to the deep inner change that the Spirit seeks to work in our life, in our community, in our church, a change so significant that the metaphor we're given is that it's like a completely new birth, a posture of competent, well-qualified, and completely in control is not how we are to come before God as individuals and as a church. In his letter to the Romans, Paul reminds us that we have been given a spirit of adoption. Matthew says that to enter the kingdom of heaven, we have to change and become like children. Today, John says that we have to be born all over again. You can pick any of those metaphors you like because I tend to think they're all saying the same thing. You see, it's not that in the kingdom of God, there aren't any professionals. It's that in the kingdom of God, there aren't any adults. Meaning, the only way we can receive Jesus' teaching today is with the heart of a child. We come to Jesus open, curious, asking questions, receptive, listening, waiting, confident, and above all else, trusting, knowing that God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. 
and being confident of this great gospel truth and in the goodness of the God in whom we believe, we come together each week as the people of God in faith and hope, trusting that if something new needs to be born in our life, or if we need to be born anew completely, that God can and that God will work this change out at the appropriate time. And always we're mindful of our true identity in Christ. For as John says at the very beginning of his gospel, to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God. Children who were born, not of blood or of the will of the flesh, but children born by the Spirit of God. Amen.